Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 224. Absolutely thrilled to welcome Scott Limbaugh to the back of the range. Currently, he is the head men's golf coach at Vanderbilt University. This episode details his start in the game, coming from a small town in Alabama, and the many successes along the way that led him to Nashville to take charge of the Commodores. Sure, if you follow collegiate golf closely, you'll know that Vanderbilt is one of the premier programs in the country and the defending SEC champions. They have some of the best players in the country on their roster. William Mall, Harrison Ott, Michael Shears, Reed Davenport, and arguably two freshmen that made up the best recruiting class of 2021, Gordon Sargent and Jackson Van Paris. But this episode focuses on Coach's journey that started in Childersburg, Alabama, population 4908, to winning national championships as a player in junior college, coaching at his alma mater, Huntington, less than two years after he was a player. Then the jump to being an assistant under Coach Sewell at Alabama, where he coached Bud Cauley and Justin Thomas, and then finally the move to Vanderbilt. This is a highly motivational episode for all listeners, but the value that juniors and parents of juniors will receive from listening to Coach Limbaugh is immeasurable. Do you know a junior at your club that's thinking of playing collegiate golf? Do you know someone at your local driving range that has a son or daughter that is interested in playing at the next level? Well, this is one of those episodes where when you're done listening, find that share button in your podcast player and send it to those people, because this is an absolute gem of an episode. Let's get right into it. Coach Limbaugh, thanks for joining me here at the back of the range. How are you? Oh, man, Ben, I'm doing great. Excited to be on here with you, hanging out on the back of the range, chatting. Uh, great time of year for that. Sit by the fire, whatever you want to do. It's the off season, man. I mean, how we we, uh, we saw each other quite a bit this fall at, at uh, you know, I think our, our first time I saw you, we didn't even get to play golf. That was at the honors course at Scenic City. I mean, we, we didn't start the fall season off on uh, very well, but uh, I'll tell you, it ended nicely in uh, at Williams Cup at uh, Eagle Point. Um, that was a lot of fun. You know, it really was. That, that was uh, my first time uh, to Wilmington, to Eagle Point, and, uh, you know, really, really cool place. We stayed over on that figure eight island and got to do some fishing and some hanging out, and those are the fun trips. So, to me, those are the trips that as a college golfer and as a college golf coach you remember that stuff for a long time the bus rides the hangouts the the fishing the you know all of those are the are the memories that 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 is why you do what you do in college golf you know yeah coach um by the way i stayed at a holiday inn express that weekend i missed the memo on this whole uh house on figure i i didn't get that that never came my way now now who do i see about that that's that's a credit uh that's a credit to the uh to the host i, I didn't do anything for that either i was you know i was told where we were going uh -huh. to be, so well I, I, it, I was kind of told where i was going to be too so. <laughs> that's um, good no but it was uh it was a fun fall and i'm sure like you said it's the off season you gotta get some time to kind of decompress and maybe obviously we look forward to the holidays with the families and then you got to get right back to it in the spring but 
I guess before we get into your uh, journey as 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 a college golf coach and all those things that go into that, um, you know, we're we're talking in the middle of November. What are the final things that you do before you send the kids off to to their families for Thanksgiving and for Christmas and all that? What are the final things that you like to do to end a fall season? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's important to. Um to be honest and transparent with the boys. Uh, I think if, if we're anything here, we're, we're going to be, you know, straightforward with them. And, and I, I like to think our kids know that going in. So uh, we spent the, the, the two weeks following um, the Williams cup, you know, day by day doing an individual meeting a day with, with our student athletes and let, let you know, listen, first and foremost, I, I think any good leader listens well. And um, so we want to listen to them and, and hear what what they're how they doing academically. How's their girlfriend? How are how's their body feel? How do you, you know, how are things in the dorm? How's this? How's that? Who You know, all of those good things. Right. Spend, spend some time with each um, with each kid, you know, 30 minutes to an hour kind of doing in the fall review meetings. And it's a review meeting for me as well. Just, hey, what? Do you think you're getting better? Where are we as coaches? How can we improve? And um, so doing that, you know, getting into our off-season workout program, uh, doing a little bit more strength training, uh, you know, developing uh, our bodies a little bit more, um, agility, stability, balance, all of those things that we need to be improving on. We're doing those things. And, you know, and then there's fun stuff, just just hanging out, throwing the football around at the football comp. I mean, at the golf complex, going to games, playing ping pong. Uh, We'll have a Christmas party with some type of dress up theme. You know, there's there's all kind of fun things to do. But it's it's important, you know, for for these guys to. To, to, to get some time to, to give their minds a break as much as their bodies. I mean, you know, this is the tail end of a long golf season for them. And, um, and so uh, I always want them to get refreshed and re-energized. And, and when it's time to get back in the dirt uh, and get better, they feel good about it. And they've, we're trying to really help them establish an off-season plan of, of what um, improvement looks like. It's got to be uh, good for them to also see that you're not just the guy that's, uh, you know, driving the van or, or you know, uh, you know, holding a clipboard that's just talking golf all the time and talking metrics. You're actually just part of the team, running the team, but also able to bring some lighthearted fun to it as well. Yeah, I think they definitely don't think that I'm the one driving all the metrics. I right. think, that, you know, we're trying to create awareness you know, we're definitely going through a stat page with every kid, uh, you know, in that in that meeting and talking about areas of improvement and throwing some ideas about around about how how the coaching staff thinks that uh, that each kid can improve and um, and what that looks like. I think, you know, we, we got some weaknesses. We need to improve those weaknesses. We got some strengths and and, and we want to continue to to, uh, um, you know, dial in those strengths as well. Um, but but I think all great players that I've coaches that I've been fortunate enough to coach and be around. They just want to improve all the time. They're, they're humble. They don't think they've got it figured out. And that's the kind of kids you want to have in your program is guys that just really have a burning desire to get better and do what it takes to get better. And um, so that's, um, you know, that, that, that's what we're trying to, you know, establish, you know, and, and, and good off season habits and, uh, and, and what that looks like, I think um, those are things that are really important. You know, when you're dealing with young people, uh, your habits, 
you know, become who you are. And so we're just trying to help them understand what, what, you know, having good habits looks like. Now, speaking of young people, uh, you and I back in the day were those young people in, in college, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20, you mentioned asking about their personal lives and I don't know why my brain went this way, but how much fun is it for you to see the awkwardness of the freshmen when you talk to them about their girlfriends versus the fourth and fifth year seniors, like a, like a, you know, a Shears or or Harrison not, how much fun is it for you to see the awkwardness? (laughs) Man, those, uh, (laughs) those, uh, those two freshmen we got, they, uh, I don't think uh, either one of them at the moment would have anybody that they classify as, as a girlfriend. But it's funny to hear the, uh, you know, them getting needled around about, you know, whatever some some little girl's name is or, sure. or whatnot. It, it's just absolutely great to see that defense mechanism come out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh man. So as as I said, you know, you, you get your start. Now, a lot of people are saying, gosh, this, how does this guy get all the way over from London to, uh, to be a college golf coach in the SEC? And I'm, I have to, you know, it, that's not the case. You're actually a native of Alabama. I know that's going to be a shocker to everyone listening here. But um, how does someone get into the game of golf in Childersburg, Alabama? Population 4908. Talk to me about Childersburg, Alabama. Well, when you say the word Childersburg, it uh, it just strikes up a real like uh, special uh, feeling inside of me, and uh, I don't mean that to be any other way than honest. Uh, it it's it's who I am. Uh, I I am Childersburg, you know, and and I what I mean by that is it's 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 my high school coaches. It's uh, all the people there. It's the the the, the older guys at at Coosa Pines Golf Club that that took me in and, and kind of showed me um, what, how things work, taught me what I think are my, a lot of my values, obviously, along with my, my parents, uh, Big Mal and Ellen, uh, they, they, you know, they obviously instilled a lot of things in me, but, you know, I, I grew up working summers in a paper mill there, uh, Kimberly Clark paper mill there in Childersburg, and our golf course was right beside it, and anybody that knows Coosa Pines Golf Club, Ben, knows that when you pull up to Coosa Pines, you can also smell the paper mill, you know, wow. and, and, uh, and, and, and it's not so pleasant, but us locals, you just kind of get used to it. And, and there's nowhere I've been fortunate enough to play golf at, at a lot of the greatest golf courses in the world, but there's still nothing like the, um, the Saturday morning dog fight, uh, at 8 AM at Coosa Pines golf club, when you got 40 guys choosing up, you know, you're choosing up teams, uh, you got, you know, 10 groups and, and you just play in and, and, you know, and I grew up there being, I played every sport, uh, basketball, football, baseball, golf, and, and, and you just learn all of these, um, you know, I just learned, I, I just love competition and I love being on a team. Fortunate enough that most teams that I've been on, I've, I think I'd rather been kind of a captain of all of those teams. Sure. So being a, being um, on a team, being part of a leadership of a team, I, I was always, I was the point guard that you didn't want to play against because I was true. I was on the hardwood for every loose ball. I was, you didn't like me guarding you for 40 minutes. I, I you just didn't like, it wasn't right. fun for that night. And it doesn't mean I was great. I was not great, but I was that guy. Um, and so there's, I think, um, 
there's some there's some grit that has been instilled in I, I guess I would be considered pretty gritty and uh, and so I, I just have always wanted to do these things I, I, I love 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 trying to build trying to get better I um, I just I'm infatuated with growth. I'm infatuated with a growth mindset of, of how do I always get better? I, I, I don't really think I've got anything figured out. And, um, and I don't know necessarily where or how that came about, but I, I just, I love looking forward and looking for ways to, to get guys around us better. Well, now your, your dad was a coach, right? Well, my dad played college baseball at Jacksonville State University okay. um, and, and, and Jacksonville, Alabama, held the home run record there up until about 10 or 15 years ago. But yeah, my dad's been a, not a college, but he's been like a, 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 a little league yeah. and summer ball. And he's been a baseball coach forever. Like the dude loves love. He just, you watch him play with my kids. Uh, just out in the yard, and he's the guy that's going to get the the eight kids on the cul-de-sac together. And the nice. next, oh, you know, he's hitting them ground balls, or or so, a, a game's broken out, and my dad's coaching them up. So, right, definitely a lot of the things that uh, uh, my characteristics in coaching and 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 uh, and things like that are definitely uh, come uh, from my dad. Yeah, and and it's interesting because you don't. I guess you kind. Of, well, I guess you don't have to have a, a, a dad or a parent or, or someone as as a as a coach to kind of lead you in that direction. But you just you know, it's not the typical thing. Maybe you you notice at that age because at that age you want to be the star. You want to maybe per, proceed and move on to the next level. I mean, you walk on to Central Alabama Community College. You win two. You're part of a team that wins two, uh, you know, junior college national championships and. And then quickly thereafter, you go to, to Huntington and really have great success there. And before you know it, you're you then get thrust into being a coach. I mean, how quickly, I guess, did you realize that coaching was a path that you wanted to go down? Because, like I said, there's there's some people that find coaching maybe after they go play professionally or they go do something else and then come back to it. Sounds. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear you say that you knew you were going to be a coach even before you got out of college. Yeah, I, th I think that's it. I, I look back on those times, uh, uh, Ben, and you, you just you, you don't know your journey. You sure. don't know how things are going to play out. But as I was wrapping up my um, my playing uh, career in college, um, my my college coach at the time had had kind of said, "Hey." Cause I needed to come back for a fifth year to, to finish my degree. And okay. he asked me what I want to be, you know, kind of be as an assistant coach as my fifth year. And, and I did, and really just loved it. I loved everything about it. I love kind of um, what setting up practices look like every day and, and uh, talking about strategy and, and building, you know, that's, that's the part I love is, is the kind of moving around and shaping of the foundation. And, um, and so I, um, the, the, the very next year, um, yeah, uh, I was, I became his assistant. He was also the athletic director there at Huntingdon. Well, anyway, he, he moves forward and, and gets another athletic director job, uh, out in Texas. And he, he, um, 
he uh, recommended they hire me as the uh, as the new head coach. I was 24 years old, and there I am. And uh, of course, I, I took the job. I didn't know any better, and um, you know, and just started. And, and at the time when I played it at Huntington, we were an NAI school, so we did have scholarships. Well, at this point, we were in the transition to Division Three golf, and um, you know, and 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 making that trend transition and doing that for three years, and my, my final year there. Um, I think we were the number one ranked team going to the national championship. We finished, uh, we finished fourth, um, in that national championship and, and, and then progression, um, and, and good fate, uh, has it, uh, that was my final year there. And, uh, and, and then, you know, went to Tuscaloosa, um, uh, after that. You're, um, you know, it's so crazy that you mentioned NAIA and, and getting that first job at Huntington because, you actually have a very similar path that my college golf coach had, uh, David Pizzino. Now he's the head coach at UConn, but he, he, one of his first jobs, actually his first job was being the head coach at St. Thomas University, and he was a player on that team, and then I think it was one, two, or three years later, he's the head coach, and he's I think he's probably the same age, 24, 25, something like that. How challenging was it that young to try and coach I'm guessing there might have been players on that team that you played with, and now all of a sudden you're the coach. Yeah, it, there was. I, I think for me, I learned quickly. Don't try to don't try to be the boss. Like, don't be trying. We had a kid on that team, a man on that team that was a former Marine. He was like 20, <laughs> 29 years old. Good luck. And, yeah, and and I kind of let old Dan. His name was Dan. And uh, I kind of let Dan just do Dan's thing. You know, I, here I am, 24. I don't I don't, I don't know which way's up, you know, and yeah. uh, Dan got to be on his own plan a little bit, but um, uh, just looking back, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but you know what? I feel like as long as people know you care uh, that, that, you know, you can accomplish things. And, um, and, and, you know, my care level's always been pretty high. And, um, and so those were, I look, I do look back on some things that we did and, and, and I'm like, wow, that was, that's interesting that I chose to handle that, <laughs> that way, you know? And, uh, so, um, I, uh, but golly, that was so much fun and, you know, coaching still the exact same to me. Uh, I, I still love I, I, a lot of the, uh, things that I believe deeply in and, and, um, whether it's about building your culture and establishing a true team and uh, and things like that are, are, are the same principles. Now, hopefully I've evolved, you know, yeah. uh, but but certainly a lot of the things uh, remain the same, you know, and, uh, you, you know, I, I want to be a coach that's true to myself. When I get over here and I try to be like somebody else or, or, or do it this way, that's, that's usually when mistakes occur, when I'm true to myself true to my inner, um, my, my, my inner being, uh, I, I tend to, you know, have a lot more wins. I'm able to stack up, you know, little wins. So, uh, coach Mike McGraw, who's now at Baylor, but you know, won a national championship. Actually he was at Alabama. He obviously was Oklahoma state. He wrote a book called better than I found it. If you had to write a book about your first year as a college golf coach, what would be the title? Oh my goodness. Um, what would be the title of, of that book? Um, <laughs> maybe little did I know. <laughs> uh, really good. It would, be, 
It would be something, something along those lines, because looking back on that, I didn't know a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, and, and, and sometimes I, you, you still feel that way on um, you still feel that way on, on, on different days now. But most of that, a lot of that's uh, derived around having, you know, older my children getting a little older. So I figure out how little I know about that as there, well. There you go. Um, you, you mentioned, okay, you're at Huntington and you have a, you know, great success there and you make the jump, um, you know, from, from Huntington, I think they have a, basically an undergraduate enrollment of about a thousand in Montgomery, Alabama. Then you go to Tuscaloosa, you're going to the oldest, largest public university in Alabama, undergraduate enrollment of 32,000. You know, I ask a lot of players that I have as guests on the podcast all the time about, hey, what was your adjustment from high school to college? What was that first year like, you know, as a freshman? And I'm sure that's something you deal with with your, your players all the time. Well, let me turn the tables on you. What was your adjustment those first couple of weeks at Tuscaloosa? You know, I, I don't think we could go farther in this podcast <laughs> with me actually telling you, like, it didn't just happen. Oh, now I'm in Tuscaloosa. Right. Long story short is Jay Sewell, the coach at Alabama, had, had begun having lots of success at Alabama. They had really turned the corner as a program. And Jay was always this guy that, you know, when you're the coach at Huntington, you don't recruit anywhere other than where you can drive to in a day and right. drive the same day. I mean, there's there's no other recruiting trip. But I think back on this. And, and um, you know, when if I saw Jay at the Blue-Gray Golf Tournament at Lagoon Park in Montgomery or at the Future Masters Tournament in, in Dothan, Alabama, or at the State High School, he never big-timed me. Not ever. And I will never, ever forget that. He always would take the time to say hello. He would let me ask him a question or two about, hey, how do you practice this? What are you doing with your guys? And so Jay was really the only Division One golf coach that I knew. But I was sitting there dreaming of I want to be a head golf coach um, at a major Division One school. That's my dream. But how do, how do you make that a reality? So as as we finished um, um, the year there, uh, 2007 spring, Jay and them still competing because the Division Three schedule ends. I, I sat down and I just hand wrote Jay a note, just dear coach, um, you know, just watching you guys. It's really exciting to see the improvement of your team. You know, good luck. Um, I, I'm I'm dreaming of being a Division One coach. If there's ever any advice that you have for me or anything, you know, I'd love to hear about it. Signed it, Scott Limbaugh stuck it in the mail. That was, that was in May. Okay. Nothing. I didn't expect to hear anything. There was no expectations. It was just, man, that's the only guy I know I'm sending him a note. And um, so bring Childersburg back into the fold here. I'm home doing a a little golf camp there uh, in Childersburg um, for, for, for kids, whatever, eight to 15 years old at Coosa Pines golf club wrapping up a, a Thursday of camp and um, my phone starts ringing. I didn't have Jay's number. We weren't that tight at right. the time. And um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I answer the call, no clue who's calling. And, uh, and, and, and it's, and it's Jay. And um, he just, he says, Hey Scott, this is a, uh, you know, Jay Sewell. And, and uh, just sitting here opening up mail. And by the way, I wrote this in May. This is in like, this is like an August 
first call. Oh okay, gosh. so Jay's just now getting to that note. And after working for Jay for five years, and anybody that's worked for him, they know that his his mail can kind of stack up. So if you want to get it back from Jay, don't write him a note today. You might <laughs> you, you might hear from him by next uh, by next year. But regardless. He just says, my assistant coach has decided to move on, and uh, and and I'm just sitting here, Scott, and on the day he tells me he's moving on, I, I just opened up this letter from Unbelievable. you. Unbelievable. So, so I believe that this is – I need. I had to call you, so here we are. He said, could you uh, – he said, would you be interested in being my assistant coach? And I said, interested? I said, beyond interested. And he said, well, could, could you possibly come down tomorrow – and and talk and I said absolutely I said coach I've got to drive to Montgomery I'll be sitting at my AD's office first thing tomorrow morning when he shows up uh, at Huntington I will tell him that I'm coming to interview for you face to face and 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 then I will be at your office in Tuscaloosa as quickly as I can drive from Montgomery to Tuscaloosa and um, so that's that's exactly how it happened i was sitting at buzz phillips the ad at, at huntington college's office when he got to his office the next morning i said coach phillips I'm, I'm 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 going to alabama to interview i have no expectations for the job but i wanted you to know from me that this is happening right. and and as i got there um uh and and talked with jay it 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 just worked and um and um he said i'm going to think about it for a couple of days and i'll give you a call and i was 10 minutes from his office about to uh, get up on the interstate uh, to head back to Montgomery. And he called and offered me the job. And, um, wow. and so we, um, we began a process there of, uh, of just, just coaching and, and growing as friends. And, um, and there, there's a lot to unpack there, but that that's how that transition to Tuscaloosa happened. And, and, you know, as, as you asked the question um, of, 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 you know, going from, Childersburg to Huntington, Huntington, Central Alabama to Huntington, and then Huntington to um, to to Tuscaloosa. Just just wild to think about. I mean, absolutely. My yeah. first recruiting trip in the summer of 2007 was to San Francisco and the Olympic Club to watch the U.S. Amateur. That's where Jay sent me to recruit on my first ever recruiting trip. And I remember I, I was sent there to watch uh, Bud Colley who was committed, you know, a PGA tour member, yeah. Corey, Whit Corey Whitsett, who yeah. I had no idea who he was, but he had just won the United States junior champion a month or two earlier. And, uh, and, and a couple of our current players at Alabama, uh, one of which was Michael Thompson, who went on yeah. to lose in, in the final match that, that summer to, uh, I mean, that week to, to Colt Nost. And you just look back on that. I'm just, you know, you want to talk about a, a, um, a wow moment. And, and kind of thinking back on that, you said something about Mike McGraw. I think back on, on that first recruiting trip and walking around with him, he was, he was then the head coach at, at, at Oklahoma State. And uh, you just think about people that take the time to treat you well. Yeah. And he, 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 he took the time to talk, you know, as we walked around watching some of those uh, recruits that week. And you, you don't ever forget those things, man. And, um, and because that, that, that's character. You know, people don't know what character is. That's character. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's so, it's such a great story. And, and for me, it's not surprising because I've been around a lot of, of, of the coaches and it's, it's such a tight knit community where everyone seems to be helping everyone else. I mean, obviously they're the outliers here and there, but for the most part, it, I, I hear this all the time. The coaches are rooting for other coaches. They want to elevate the profession. They want to elevate 
uh, you know, each other's programs. They want they want everything to just. I mean, obviously, there's competition with recruiting, which we'll talk about in a bit. But it seems like everyone, it's a brotherhood or sisterhood, of course, where uh, you're trying to build everyone up to the point where uh, the only thing that benefits are the kids and obviously college golf. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, we're just trying to get better. You know, you want, you want, to, you want to get better at what you do. You want to learn from – I mean, there are some coaches out there that just blow me away by how they do – how well and at, at such a high standard they do their jobs. And so to me, I'm doing myself a disservice if I have opportunities to ask questions of those coaches, um, you know, if I don't do that. And I mean, I'm encouraging the people, you know, in our locker room to do that. Ask questions, ask for help. If there's somebody around you doing things at a really high level, learn from that. And so I do think that's a great thing about our game and our coaching fraternity is you know, you, you feel like you can um, you can ask questions and you can ask for help and people are willing to to kind of share with you what's worked for them and what hasn't worked. Because, you know, I mess up all the time and I, I got to learn. I got I to learn from that yeah. and get better from that and uh, and hopefully be better the next time I'm in that same position. You uh, you mentioned Bud Cauley, Michael Thompson, a lot of you know, uh, you know Whitsett, and obviously uh, we'll talk a little bit about Justin Thomas, who you recruited to play at Alabama, or part part of the team that were or part of the effort to recruit him to Alabama. But I, I want to ask, you know, obviously there's a talent gap between a D three player, NAIA player, and a and a top level D one. So so I think we can all kind of, you know, however you want to quantify that. Of course, there's a there's a different skill level on the golf course but when you came to Tuscaloosa did you notice any sort of a difference as far as attitude or um, just a different mindset in players that were at the D1 level as opposed to a D3 or was it similar I'm just curious I think people would be curious about maybe some of the different approaches that you saw at that level as compared to what you're coming from with Huntington or was there a difference well, I don't, I, you know, I don't look back and think there was a, a huge difference in like work ethic or uh, passion okay. or a willingness to be coached. I, I think what you're talking about, though, is, um, uh, you know, I think back on Michael Thompson or, you know, those guys, all they ever thought about was making it on the PGA Tour. Yeah. There never was another outlet in their mind. And, and so I think that that could be the difference. You know, a, a guy that's playing golf. A lot of now there are there's several division three former golfers on tour now, you know, that so like my my coaching is not really different, but you do you do see guys that they march to the beat of a little different drum. And, you know, I can you can pick those guys out, man. I mean, those guys that they are different, you know, when it's you know, it's December the 4th and, and it's freezing cold in Tuscaloosa or wherever and. You know, and Justin Thomas is out there, you know, putting a little investment in his personal banking account, getting better. You just kind of like, man, that, that's that's a little and, and like he's not just out there so he can call his mom and daddy and tell him he practiced. He's not worried about that because right. he has he has ownership of his game, you know, like that's or Michael Thompson, like the focus that he would practice with. Like, you know, those are the things to me that stand out a little more because you kind of think back on why this worked or maybe why that didn't work. And 
a lot of times I believe it's just that ability to to have the mindset of I, I, I absolutely won't be denied. I will do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 you know, you're, you mentioned, you know, Justin Thomas, uh, you know, you've recruited a lot of players and a lot of have gone on to have great success, but I'm, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing when you look at a, you know, a, a, and it's so funny, uh, Justin Thomas's picture is still on a, the depths of the Alabama uh, men's golf website there are pages that still has a picture of him as a sophomore looking like you know the 19 year old that he is at the time but when you're <laughs> trying to recruit JT you're not thinking oh this kid's gonna be a major champion someday obviously he's got this great junior record in Kentucky but like when you're recruiting a player like that you're just trying to get him on the team and and hopefully he can maybe get into your lineup and fulfill the promise is is that kind of what you were looking at when you first started recruiting him yeah i think the kid's a winner you know yeah, oh, yeah of course you don't take you don't ever take that lightly he always would find a way to get to get there and um now nobody's gonna predict that he's gonna be the number one ranked player in the world right. and, and things like that that's impossible if any of, of, of us were that good at our jobs then you know we might need to go go to vegas or something because um but i, I look back on it and i i, I think there's some there's some great things in there. I was fortunate to um, I made a lot of trips up there to Kentucky uh, to watch him play high school matches and and uh, you know state championships and wherever else he played. I uh, I had that road that road was red hot between Tuscaloosa <laughs> and and, and uh, Kentucky. And um, one thing I'll say about it is I, I think that when you look back on it, Mike and Janie's identity was not in Justin's golf game. OK, and and Mike is about as educated of a, of a golf. I'm just talking about at that time. I'm right. not even talking about the day where he's Justin's lawn instructor, you know, instructor or whatnot. But I, I'm just saying like and so, you know, Mike would show up at, at tournaments and, you know, if Justin played great, Mike was the same. If Justin played bad, Mike was the same. Now, Justin wasn't the same. Well, Don't course. get me wrong. Justin doesn't Justin doesn't like bad golf. And uh, but he knew how to handle it and he knew how to get better from it. And um, yeah, Justin was uh, when he showed up. I remember um, Jay and I, we fretted over it for a while, but we always decided on that first tournament. It was a roll the balls out tournament and you got to go qualify. Let's see who's ready to roll. And, uh, you know, you, you know, as coaches in those moments, there's always like, oh, my gosh, what if Justin Thomas doesn't qualify? Right. And that, that, that's just kind of us over there talking, you know, coach talk over there on the, you know, as we're watching. And I, I just remember, you know, um, you know, Jay made the comment was like, well, if he doesn't qualify, he, he won't play. But I feel confident he will qualify. And um, and uh, Justin certainly did. And, uh, and, and, and kind of, as we like to say, he becomes national freshman, uh, national player of the year as a freshman. Yeah. And, um, and when, when guys do those kind of things, I mean, they're cleaners, right? They come in and, and it's different. And um, he just always, he had a different go meter. And, and, and I'll say this, just kind of talking about, you know, the way he was raised. And, and I only say that because it's a great lesson for me as a parent. Um, he hasn't lost that that humbleness yet. I can't remember ever sending him a text that didn't get replied to. I, you know, he and he's a superstar. Right. And uh, 
And, and you just that a lot goes along with that is he was allowed to establish his own identity. Um, and and I just think that's a great lesson for all of us to learn is he, he, he was taught how to go do this for yourself. And now did he have a great support system of love and care and understanding and instruction around him? Absolutely, he did. Um, but he also. Um, um, he, he was also taught the right way to do things. And, and I think there's, there's a great lesson there for a lot of us. We're, we're talking about recruiting, and it's very well said. I love these stories, so I want to kind of stick and stay on this recruiting uh, kind of angle of our conversation. You know, I, a lot of juniors listen to the podcast, especially parents, and obviously they're trying to put themselves in the best position to get recruited and to go to the best program that fits them. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, whether it's picking the right tournaments to play in, what coach to go with, and they got to balance the cost of travel. I mean, you know, I know, everyone knows that's in, involved in amateur collegiate junior golf, that you have the, the flights and the cars and the meals and the hotels and all that and some kids may not be able to play a national schedule. Some have to play locally. And then we throw the whole thing with Wagger in there. That's a whole other conversation. There's, there's so many uh, factors. What are maybe some things that if you had the chance to sit down with a parent that is just kind of, or a junior that's maybe struggling with what direction to go in and forget about, you know, take your Vandy hat off for the minute when you're talking to them, of course, what are maybe some of those misconceptions that juniors and parents might have right now about the recruiting process that you can just say, hey, this maybe we don't need to focus on. Here's what you should really kind of think about doing. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on you know, what you can pass along to, to them? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I'm not positive what misconceptions uh, parents have. I think one of the things is just, you know, oh, I played a bad round. Uh, they, they won't pay me any attention anymore. I think anybody that's recruiting at a high level, yeah, I mean, our golf scores definitely speak for themselves. But, um, you know, a good recruiter is also able to see potential and what something can become. Maybe not what it is already, but what it can be. And um, I think for me, the, the things that I would advise any parent and young person to, to establish going into the process is what are the three to five things that matter the most to us when thinking about that next step. Okay. And, and I think those are, those differ from family to family and person to person. I, my uncle Tommy was a college football coach for a long time and learned a lot of things from him. And he would kind of take out a sheet of paper and he'd kind of write, let's just say, um, you know, Vanderbilt and, and Oklahoma and, and Texas at the top of a piece of paper going, you know, and then on the, uh, on the left-hand side coming down, you know, he would write down the things like uh, coaches, uh, weather, uh, academics, um, uh, faith, whatever right. the things that are important to you, teammates, facilities, you know, I hear it all. You know, the thing, you know, and so you figure out kind of, you know, which what of these things are important to you? OK, and ultimately, you know, wh who, who checks the most boxes? Because 
you know, what social media shows us is that everything's perfect. Every coach is perfect. Everybody's got it figured out. Everybody's facilities are perfect, this and that. And, and we know what, you know, what we know is that's not true. Okay. And so you got to kind of get through the, the fluff of la la land and you got to get down to the bells and whistles of who people are. What, what, what are those teammates? What does that program and coach and culture actually stand for? Not what social media says it stands for, but what does it stand for really? And, um, and I think that requires a little bit of, 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 of homework and, and question asking and seeking and, um, and, and those, that's what I think. And, and I also think for me, it's always, it just never works well for me. If I hear a kid telling me I've limited it to 10 schools, well, buddy, if you've limited it to 10, then that's, that's way too many. Like you, 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 your list is too big uh, of the things that are important to you because there's no chance there's 10 schools that check those things that are all important to you. That's just not, it's just not true. And so um, I think that that's always a sign to me of, of maybe some immaturity or things that are, um, you're not thinking about the right way, uh, because if you're really thinking about things the, the correct way and the important way, you know, that that list needs to be three to five schools, because when it's three to five, you can actually get some real and true substance to what you're doing. And, um, and, and, and that's the way I believe that's how my mind operates as a recruiter. I want to have real authentic relationships with young people and their families that matter. And that way, you know, me and I know you. And um, and I, I don't sell a fairy tale world um, about what we're trying to do. We're going we're going to get the dirt. We're going to we're going to we're going to put in the investment in our games. Uh, we're going to do it in the classroom. We're going to have fun. Um, and we're also going to hold you accountable. And if those things don't sound great to you while we're loving on you as well. But if, if any of that doesn't sound so great, then that, this may not be the place for you. Right. And that's OK. It's perfectly fine, but that's the kind of things that we're going to do here. And uh, and so I, I just have always felt like, you know, having more of a, a focused instead of casting this this huge wide net, kind of no going in. This is what I'm thinking about and then kind of narrow it down from there. So uh, we're all learning in this new recruiting, you know, the way recruiting is now and everybody's kind of you know, committing a little bit later. I think we're all still learning. I'm still learning how that works, but I, I, I don't think social media is certainly not a bad thing uh, to, to learn some, some, some things about a program, but you also, you got to dig a little deeper to find the right kind of uh, substance to anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything looks good on social media. Um, you know, that's, <clears throat> everyone knows that. So uh, it's, it's great to hear it. And I also just find it interesting too, when I look back at, I mean, you have, you have, you know, you just signed, uh, Wells Williams and you signed John Broderick. They're going to be uh, uh, with you next year as incoming freshmen, but you have two freshmen that came in for this season, arguably, uh, you know, the best recruiting class in the country. You, you, you added Gordon Sargent, you added Jackson Van Paris. They were you know, number two and three in high school in the country. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. You got these two, you know, guys, you know, you know, junior all Americans and, you know, Gordon won back to back, uh, Alabama state am state amateur championships JVP played on junior president's cup team and you have all these accolades that they have. And I know that all the recruiting stories are different, but you have many, many recruiting classes that you've um, 
had throughout the years, whether at Alabama, whether at Vanderbilt. But how early do you start looking at players? Whether you want to use those two as examples or not, but like how early do you start kind of doing your homework before you actually start going out to say, all right, you know, I want to go look at this kid. Like, I mean, is it 12? Is it 13? I'm just curious. When does this start for you? And does it ever, well, end? I, does it ever end actually? Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a, uh, a certain time, you know, um, you know, you look at those two kids, Gordon Sargent and, and uh, Jackson. I mean, they, they've been good a long time. Yeah. You know, both of those boys have been, have been really good for a while. And so, um, you know, we've been aware of them, uh, been aware of, well, aware of Gordon. I, you know, Childersburg's 25 minutes down the road from where, from where Gordon grew up in, um, in Birmingham. And so, you know, known that name for a while. Um, and, you know, even from my time, you know, um, you just have always heard that name. And then Jackson Van Paris is always a name that you've heard as well. And I think the, the, the things that happen there is, you know, recruiting is about relationships, right. you know, First and foremost, it is about relationships. And, um, and so I think um, for me, it's, um, you know, we start, you know, we'll try to go to two or three different tournaments a, uh, a summer that's more about putting names and faces together. Like, okay, this works. Maybe we had an email from this kid when he was in the eighth grade. Okay, he, 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 he expressed genuine interest in Vanderbilt University and our golf program and, and what it's about. Okay, let's, let's get let's let Gator or my assistant coach go get an evaluation on it. Let me get an evaluation. Let's kind of see where we both sit on that and then let's move forward. And then it's like, you know, then we, we, you know, you got different levels of a recruit in terms of an absolute. Okay. Then you got a kid that, um, we think he can get there kind of recruit. Um, you know, if he, if he gets a little strength, gets a little speed. And then um, then at the bottom, you know, it, it could be a maybe. Uh, okay, if this and that happens or, you know, that kind of deal. And then for us, you know, and, and I think Gatorwood, I'm a really big stickler. If, if I don't, you know, if I see things I don't love from a, uh, you know, how they handle themselves or, you know, mistreatment of a mom and a dad out there, you know, yeah. smart up smart aleck remark to a to a mom when she's trying to hand you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich but you just made a bogey and you tell her to you know little things like that just really you know life's too short to to like to have to deal with those kind of things you know i want we want humble guys thankful guys that that really have that desire to to, to get better and improve. And so you're watching all of that, all the body language stuff, all of the, you know, all of the things that there's all kind of different things that we're looking at. And, and a lot of that other stuff matters just as much as, you know, if we've decided somebody is going to get there physically, then that's really what we're looking at. So to me, there's just, there's a bunch of different levels, but you're always watching, recruiting, looking at scores, going to, you know, tournaments, doing dives into that and um, trying to find the right fits for you and for them. I'm guessing you're learning just as much when they shoot the 78 as opposed to when they shoot the 68. Oh, absolutely. I am. I think you can learn, especially if it's somebody that you know's good yeah. and, and by good, you're kind of thinking this kid's a starter that they come here and start. And, um, uh, and so I think that, uh, you're definitely learning, you know, uh, a lot about people's resiliency during, uh, during, during struggle times, because, you know, golf's just hard and yeah. you're going to 
you're going to hit a struggle and you know how you respond to that is going to kind of determine what you're you know ultimately going to be as a golfer well and, and you know, your team at Vanderbilt's interesting because you know, I'm looking at your roster and you only have nine nine guys on your squad and they all have to realize that you only take five all right maybe you take six maybe you take an individual but to but to make that starting five, there's just about I mean anyone on your roster can be a starter. And I think in the fall, I think I saw at least eight of the nine guys at tournaments. So when they're getting recruited, they're not getting the hey man, you're going to be our number two guy. We're going to be you know you're, you're going to be playing, and you you can't give that guarantee, nor should you, because you're building a very deep roster where you might see just about anyone in that starting lineup. Yeah, I think I think that's true. We 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 played eight uh, eight different guys. Uh, first of all, I think we have a pretty small roster. And yeah, I think that's that what I mean. Yeah, you have a. That's what I'm saying. It's not just like you don't have a 13 guy that I mean you're kind of not expecting to crack the lineup. No, that's right. And and um, you know we we want to have these authentic relationships with our kids. And so um, keeping that roster size a little bit smaller is important to us. You know, the COVID years added some different variants to that, obviously, um, and uh, no pun intended there. But um, yeah. we, um, we, um, we, we like that size roster. But you're right. I, you know, here's the deal, though. You know, any great competitor, they're betting on themselves. Yeah. I'm betting on me, man. And, you know, I, I don't think the, the really great players, when they're thinking about a school, they're wondered about if they're going to play or not. You know, I, I don't remember – any truly great player I've ever coached um, th- that was ever a, a thing in their mind because um, they want to choose to be around other great players that will push them, will hold them accountable, will set a, um, a standard for what excellence looks like around them. And then, you know, that, that's, that's really the way to get better is surrounding yourselves with, 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 with other great players. And as uncomfortable as it may be, and a lot of times this fall was uncomfortable for our guys. It was yeah. uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me some. Um, and and you know the point is is that right there in that moment where you get good and uncomfortable, that's where the most growth happens. And um, and uh, you know and so I think that's so important that you know, our environment here is it's, it's highly competitive and, um, um, and, and you gotta want that. You gotta want to dive in there head first, uh, because, you know, you, if you're not trying to be the best every single day, I can promise you there's somebody somewhere that is, and they're going to eventually knock on your front door and you're going to have to answer to that. And, um, and so that, that's kind of an off season challenge of, of when that, you know, cause talent's, Talent can get you only so far, and we've got talent, no doubt about it. Well, now it's about how you're going to separate yourself. What are you doing to separate yourself? Because just that talent alone won't be enough. Yeah, it's a great information. I hope uh, the juniors listening to this, and obviously parents listening to this, really take away uh, what you've said about just that recruiting process. Finding, I think it all comes down to find the place that's best for you. Uh, you know, find the best environment. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I want to just kind of hit on a couple other things I didn't want to let go. You, you know, we we kind of obviously people have figured out by now you're the, you're the head men's golf coach at Vanderbilt, and you've had great yeah. success there and helped turn that program around. You guys are the defending SEC champions, and you've won a, 
uh, you know, National Coach of the Year award in 17. I know that talking about your accolades is the last thing you want to do right now. But um, you mentioned your the getting the job in Tuscaloosa. Uh, what was the night before your interview at Vanderbilt like for you? How did you prepare yourself? Cause, I mean, it's really easy to talk about this to me and to share your story, but it's a different thing to share your story so that you get hired. What was that like for you? That process was interesting. I got my first phone call from Vanderbilt the night before we played Texas for the national championship in 2007. Um, I mean, in 2012 out at Riviera. That's when I first got a phone call. Didn't answer it, but it was Brant Snedeker left a voicemail for me. He calls and me all the time too, coach. I ignore right, his right. calls too. Hey, don't worry. That was another number that I didn't have. Okay, but uh, okay. anyway, looking back on that, um, the second I heard the voicemail, I think my wife and I, um, you know, I was, I didn't call him back that night. We had the match tomorrow, uh, the next day against uh, Texas and, 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 and whatnot. But, the, the second I heard the voicemail from him, I knew in my gut. And anybody that knows me knows I'm an all-in person, all-in personality. Uh, I'm, I'm coming all the way over in the deep end. Yeah. And that's the kind of people I want around me. And I mean, I think Kate and I knew in that very moment that was the job that we were it, we, full speed ahead. So fast forward uh, maybe a couple of weeks and – uh, coming up for my first interview, um, I, I had a meeting at, at the athletic complex. They had put me in a hotel that was about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, you know, from uh, from Vanderbilt's campus. And, you know, I'm from Childersburg, Alabama. I, I mean, this Nashville is the big city, baby. Yeah. I, I'm talking about like this is it. This is this might as well have been L.A. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and so the night before, I, I really don't believe I slept more than it couldn't have been more than two hours because you know I, I'm, I'm an on-time guy and I I was going to be sitting in that parking lot I was never I wasn't going to be hindered by any traffic or anything sure, so sure. My I think my interview started at 8 30 and I was probably I was probably sitting in the in, in the parking garage by the athletic complex drinking coffee by about 7 15 and <laughs> <laughs> you know, you play every single scenario right, through. Right. They're going to ask this. Are they going to ask that? And mind you, I had several highly respected, you know, people in the golf industry, coaches and whatnot, saying, coach, I don't take that job. Uh, I just don't believe it. That's just, you know, that I, you, you got such a, y'all got such a good thing going at Alabama. You'll do better. And, um, and so, um, but I also had people speaking truth to me and I must say, Ben, I'm a, I'm an instinct guy and everything about my instincts were like that right there can be the best job in the country. And, 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 and fortunately for me, uh, my wife, uh, uh, believed the same thing and ultimately we were fortunate enough that that the people at Vanderbilt uh, believed believed that about us too and so that that was that was uh it's kind of fun thinking back on that that's got to be a crazy experience being there you know just sitting in the parking lot having a cup of coffee thinking I'm about to go into a meeting that can change my life and if I get this job I'm going to be changed I'm going to be responsible for changing the lives of of young people that has to be just a crazy experience because the job, because the job isn't just you and your, and your family. I mean, that's big enough as it is, but I mean, look where you are now. And, and just that, that half hour, 45 minutes sitting in a parking lot, 
I mean, is it registering there? I mean, how do you even, you know, put that in your head correctly before you walk in? It's really great, uh, actually, what you just said there and asked, because I get asked a lot, like, what is the, you know, what's the big difference? Um, and I think probably just going from, you know, from an assistant coach to a head coach, a lot of times maybe as an assistant coach, you don't really quite understand all the things that you're, that the head coach is, is responsible for. And because as an assistant coach, you're kind of responsible to the head coach, right? right. And as a head coach, you're responsible for all of it, every single thing that is Vanderbilt golf. And, um, and so it's really about, you know, how much, how many more times your phone rings, how many more meetings you're asked to attend. Um, but ultimately it, like any great coach learns to prioritize the things that are important to them and the program to grow forward. And, um, and so I think as, as I've hopefully grown as a coach, you learn, you know, I want my team to know what what I, what my values are. What are the things that I value the most? And I want to know what they value the most. And we will openly talk about those values. My players, I think, would say openly that Coach Limbaugh values his family. And um, they're going to be a part of this. And I'm going to leave sometimes to go coach my little boy in basketball. It's going to happen. We're not going to feel bad about it. It doesn't mean I love you guys less. But but that's a value of mine that I hold very dearly. And, uh, and, and also, I want them to be able to tell me, Coach, these are the things that I value. And, uh, and that way, you know, that, that might be a school golf practice time. I, I value that. I value my time putting the work into my studies that perfect. I understand why you left a little bit early today because you got that e-contest on Friday. Right. Got, you know, that way, no, that had to be judgment passed when, when, when you're, when you can openly talk about those things that you value and you know what, um, you can't have too many values like that. Like, you, you know, if, if for you and I to know each other, well, you got to know the things that I hold dear to me and I need to know the things that you hold dear to you. And that's hard for, uh, for a college generation to kind of come to grips with those three to five things that are just absolutely paramount to their being. And, um, and I think that's, that's really a good thing for, for anybody to figure out that way. You're not trying to think I've got to, I've got to hone in on these 14 different little things, whether it's work ethic or care level, whatever it is, man, what's important to you. And then you can kind of operate each day based off of those things. Wow. Um, gosh, just, it's, it's, Great information that you're sharing. Uh, let's let's close. We can go on for hours. Um, let's let's. Uh, I want to I want to close this out though by giving something a little bit more tangible to maybe the person that's listening to this, saying, "Hey, you know, I'm not a college golfer. Um, I'm I'm trying to get the most out of my game. I'm a mid am, or you know, I play once or twice a uh, you know a week or a month, whatever you want to call it. But one thing that I've picked up in the fall." following your team at different tournaments is the effort that you put in in practice rounds. Now, I'm not at Vanderbilt and seeing what you're doing during practice, but I do see what you guys do in practice rounds. And it's, it's, a, very, um, it's a very collaborative process, sharing of ideas, maybe a thought process on your approaches into greens, players helping each other out, coach, obviously you and, and coach Todd, helping out the players. It's not just they just pull a driver out and, and hit it in the fairway, hit it in the green, maybe hit a putt or two, and then move on. It's a very collaborative process. Can you maybe just 
explain what your team tries to accomplish during a practice round. Yeah, and, that's and, and how and how play people listening can adopt it maybe into their game when they go play a practice round before a tournament or before yeah. a member guest or something like that. Sorry to cut you off, but that I just want to make sure I got it out correctly. No, I think that's a great, really good question, first and foremost. I think for us, a lot depends on, okay, have we been to the course before? Okay, because if we haven't been to the course before, then, you know, there's a, there's a certain um, – attention to detail that's got to go into that we, sure. we can't be, we can't be beat before um you know off the first tee because we didn't do what we needed to do i think as a, as a coaching staff we're trying to establish kind of a mindset uh going into the week for each player and and obviously everybody's got uh different skill sets and so you know uh gordon Sargent. um you know, the way he may need to play a golf course could be very different from the way Reed Davenport um, uh, would play a golf course because they have different skill sets. And so you're really, it's not a one size fits all. And um, so I think you're taking each hole, hole by hole, and you're looking at it as this, it's a three round golf tournament. And so how can I be successful over three rounds? And how does that ultimately contribute to the successes of our team? And that's a mindset that everybody needs to have because it's a little bit different than the summer amateur golf circuit where you can blow drivers all over whatever course you're playing. And the only person that affects is you. Right. And, and so we're here, the way I play, the, the, the way I approach the day, everything that I do affects everybody else. And so um, that's a that's a team mentality. And that's what we're about is a team mentality. And um, how does what I do, how do my actions, how does my approach today, how does it positively, you know, move the ball forward for our team? And so, you know, let's take that that last tournament that we played over at Eagle Point in Wilmington. Well, we're looking there. Coach Todd and I have looked at it, and you're going to have a southeast win one day and a northwest win the, uh, the, the final round, you know. And so you're really not going to be prepared for all of that. You're, you're, you're really not. And so what we're trying to help the guys understand, I mean, for example, on the 36th hole day, on hole number one, our guys were hitting pitching wedges, you know, and Gordon Sargent might have even hit a lob wedge into number one, okay? Yeah. In the second round, we hit, I mean, in the third round, because it was a 36-hole day the first day, in the third round, we hit four iron and five iron into that green, okay? It was, you know, it was blowing 30 into you, right. you know, the north, north cold wind. So the way you want to approach those is, is you're trying to show guys, obviously, your aim lines are different with five irons than they are with sand wedges right and uh and so we're trying to prepare for all of that now you're not going to get it all done and you know we're, we're, i don't think of myself so highly that i've got all the answers we're just i feel like our job as coaches is to create the environment and to also create the awareness needed to be successful and uh, so the aware we're trying to create awareness in the practice round. Okay. We see this to this PM. We see this to, you know, uh, to this flag, uh, when this thing's on the top shelf, it's just fine to putt from 25 feet under it. You don't got to go chasing this back flag here. You got three birdie holes coming up next, you know, wait, you can fold on this hole, 
you know, if we're talking about poker, but on this hole, we, we can go get it, you know. So you're, you're just kind of going through, you know, different locations, different, um, uh, different um, misses, uh, different, you know, lines, all of those things. You're just, you're just talking about it. And really, as a player, you're trying to create a plan that gives you comfort. What gives me comfort? And, um, um, and, and I think that's a little, you know, Reed Davenport likes hitting drivers. So hitting drivers gives him a lot of comfort, you know, um, other guys, you know, you know, Harrison, I like getting putts. He's a great putter. So whatever it looks like for him to just get the most putts possible, that, that's what he's trying to. So everybody's got, like I said, these different skill sets. And so, you know, we want our guys to, to be comfortable um, forming their own plans. We're not going to tell them how to play, but we're going to create the awareness needed to help you formulate your plan. And, um, and, and, you know, that's what we've had successes doing, but quite frankly, Gator and I are spending a lot of time this off season trying to, you know, see how we can get better in these practice rounds and how we can help our guys be even more prepared when we get out there for, um, for the tournament rounds. You mentioned Gator. Now, listen, I've been around him a lot this fall and I try and get him on camera to do a quick interview. I can't get him on camera. He always defers. He, he don't want to do it. So let's, let's, you know, tell me a good Gator Todd story. Cause I can't get anything from him, but you, you grab him. For, he played <laughs> Alabama. I mean, let's, let's, I know he's going to listen to this. Let's embarrass Gator Todd a little bit. Let's get him some publicity. Actually talk to me about your assistant. Oh, well, I mean, I think what we've been fortunate enough to do here since he's been here speaks a lot to, to, to his, um, his character. And he just got a really high care level for helping guys improve. Uh, he's, uh, his, he's just got great stories, you know, and, and I was fortunate. My first year at, at Alabama was his senior year. You know, Gator's father, Richard, uh, was a you know starting quarterback at the University of Alabama under under you know, Bear Bryant, then went on to be a top top 10 draft pick in the NFL, played for the New York Jets, starting quarterback there for a long time. And, and um, so, um, you know, when I, when I got to Alabama, I I was like, my gosh, that's Richard Todd's son. And I, I, (laughs) Gator, um, Gator had a, a, a really successful junior career later. Like he got good a little later and he's always kind of been what I call a dog. Like he just, gets after it dude loves the process of getting better um and and how does that translate over to how he is as a coach well he loves the process of getting better so what does that mean he loves to get in the dirt with the boys and loves to um to to help them get better and stay with them till dark 30 and just you know as i was going through the process of of hiring somebody um, some, you know, coach Corbin, our baseball coach here, I had a conversation with him and cause I wanted some, st- I love stability. I love guys that they don't, it's not just a little quick one stop and, and I'm out. I, I want that, that, that consistency in a day to day. And, you know, one thing coach Corbin told me is you gotta have somebody that wants to invest in the boys. And, and as, as, as I went through the process of, of, of all, he had a lot of interest in the job at the time and, and uh, Gator was just, he checked the most boxes to me. I love his story. I love, I love that I knew his character already. I saw him go through a hard time uh, playing at Alabama. Then I saw him go through ups and downs of professional golf and, and, and making it through Q school and, 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 all, and then going to get a job, but then decided I want to go play golf again. And, and, um, 
And then, and then his willingness, you know, he went and worked, did an assistant coaching job for a year in Milwaukee to get into coaching uh, for Steve Bailey up at, um, up at Marquette and yeah. get good. He got good and uncomfortable. He called me the year before that. I want to get into coaching. What do I need to do? And I said, you need to get a job. That's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, what? and he did and uh, went up there and, and, and got into it. So I think for me, um, I, he's going to make a, a, a phenomenal head coach because any he, he, he's a leader, you know, and what I mean by that is he, he, he's courageous, he's confident. And just like any of us, when we get kind of that job that that, um, you know, he's got his skill sets. And I got my skill sets. And fortunately for us, they work together. I'm trying to learn a lot from Gator's skill sets, and he's trying to learn a lot from mine. And um, he's a great evaluator of talent. He's great at building relationships that matter. And um, and I think what what his biggest growth uh, to me over over time has been is just his willingness to to learn about himself and to dive deep into really who you are and. You know, not you don't you don't got to try to worry about being this necessarily this perfect coach or you're just the more we learn about ourselves and stay true to that, that self, uh, I think is, is really, um, um, you know, that 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 that's what makes great coaches, uh, the coaches that I admire the most. And um, as far as as far as Gator stories, I mean, my gosh, I wish you could get a former player of ours, Will Gordon, on here to tell you some some Gators. Uh, it sounds like it's going to have to happen now, so we're going well, to do that. Well, he's, I mean, he's he's just an absolute peak, and uh, there 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 there's a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> But uh, I'm not going to go there, being as I'm the head coach, and That's my okay. story, you, that, you, my, story, my, my stories are just more in line with 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 the dudes, just a, just a just a dog, man, that, and loves the process of of getting better and, and helping guys get better. That's okay. You you've done your job. You've point. You first of all, you've you've said some very you've said tremendous things about about Gator, and and I, I like hanging with him too. This fall has been a lot of fun, but you've. You've done your job. You've not given me the story, but you've pointed me in the direction of where to find the stories. So your job is done. It's up to me now to actually uncover them. So uh, <laughs> so that's all good. We're going to get you out of here. You've been fantastic with your time. Uh, as I said, we can. this could go on for hours. I really appreciate it. But we started talking, uh, started this episode off talking about, uh, you know, downtime and, and the off season. And uh, you spoke a lot about this this team at Vanderbilt that you're going to be leading in the spring. But let's get you out of here on this one. You are still coaching in the off season. What what are you doing to prepare for the the, the crucible and the, the difficulty of coaching uh, uh, kindergarten basketball this winter? Uh, talk to me about your team. Uh, you know what what are you doing? Uh, you know how are you taking your your skills at Vanderbilt and and leading that into coaching? Uh, your son's kindergarten basketball team. Well, you know, Ben, as they like to say, the grind never stops. You know that coach grind. You know, that I, I'm just kidding. I can't stand the word grind. Uh, I am. Uh, I yeah, I am coaching the bird dogs <laughs> five and under kindergarten <laughs> basketball team. It's it's three on three uh-huh. and um, coaching with a buddy of mine. That's, is this zone? Is this zone or man to man? What? What's your? What's buddy, your... It's, it's man. It's man to man. As soon as they cross half court, baby, we are picking up and it's wall. <laughs> you know, and uh, if anybody makes a pass, 
we're celebrating. If okay. anybody dribbles without traveling, let's throw a party. Okay. And uh, I mean, we had practice last night and um, myself and, and the other coach, we're, and I'm the assistant coach. Don't get me wrong. The, the guy that's the head coach is a, he played basketball at Murray state. Yeah. And, you got, you uh, got to work your way up. You got to, you gotta, oh, yeah. there's no, there's a price to pay baby. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't do You don't just get to be the head coach. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you got to pay your dues, but uh, man, we are having so much fun and we, we're, we're working on a, you know, let's, let's jump off our left foot, shoot a right-handed layup. Let's, let's get a little triple threat action. Uh-huh. We're challenging them to dribble 200, 200 dribbles a day. Um, and, and so we're, we're just, uh, it, it's great. Our, uh, our first scrimmage, we'll just say it was an awakening and, uh, me and, uh, me and the other coach, we, uh, we, we decided right then we might need to slow this thing down a little bit and, and uh, get our expectations down a little bit. And But we got our first game December the 4th, so there's still time to – we're going to get a little better, and I think we're going, we got a few guys that can, that can fill it up, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm trying to hold together here. I'm just, now, what's good about this, though, is that you can put – you know, plays and game plans on iPads because at that age, that's all they look at anyway. So you could actually start doing Did I just give you an idea? I shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at my house, we're trying to think of less reasons to be on the iPad. There you so go. We're going to learn it out on the, on the back driveway uh, if we can. But, um, but you're right there. You can definitely do some dribbling things and, and all of that on that iPad that are pretty darn cool. Oh my gosh. Well, this was a blast. Very informative. Knew that you would be dropping tons of, of great information and great stories about your journey and, and what you're doing in the game, especially, you know, obviously with what you've done in Alabama and obviously now what you're doing at Vanderbilt. But, uh, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy your, uh, your your part-time coaching job for of kindergarten basketball. And I will see you in the spring, sir. I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Thank you so much to Coach Limbaugh from Vanderbilt for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.